How can I keep from singing? Thank you so much, Greg. God is so good to us, and I hope that the joy of God is in your heart to the point that you feel like singing, giving thanks and praise to God. And if you don't feel that way, hopefully you will by the end of our service. And speaking of service, welcome to this virtual service here at Ocean View United Methodist Church. Welcome friends, family, members of Ocean View, folks just tuning in perhaps for the first time. It's so good to have you all as a part of our worship service together. At this time, our announcements will be brought to us by both Smith. And as he comes, I want to make a correction from last Sunday. Um, I inadvertently called the uh, announcements, the liturgy, liturgist, who was Judy Tillman. I called her Cheryl Fulton by, by era. And, and so I wanted to, you to be sure to know that, yes, the person you saw up here last Sunday was Judy Tillman. And I give, you, I give her thanks for doing that. And I thank both for coming forward and sharing with us this morning. Good morning. As you may have heard, Ocean View Church is closed through the end of February. Due to the latest COVID surge, we are following the recommenda recommendations of our district superintendent, which reflects what our bishop and cabinet strongly recommend across the annual conference. Church Council will revisit these decisions at the end of February, and we look forward to the day when we can all be together again safely. With the cancellation of in-person worship, we are postponing our scheduled coffee with the pastors as we will not be able to receive new members during a service on February 7th. Please know we will reschedule our reception of new members as soon as we are able to safely meet again. In the meantime, please reach out to Bev Duane with any questions about joining the Ocean View family. Baby Bible led by Pastor Mike McDonald, retired. For those of you who have requested a basic introductory course of the Bible, here is your answer. Pastor Mike will be leading this five-week class. Some of the topics included will be, how is the Bible organized? What is the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament? Who wrote the Bible and when? Who, when, and how was it decided what, what would be in the Bible? He also invites participants to submit any questions you have, and he'll do his best to see that they are answered. Pastor, Pastor Mike Mack at gmail.com. And that's Pastor Mike Mack, all one word, and the Mac is M-A-C. This, this class will help you better understand the Bible when you read and study it from now on. The only book required for this study is the Bible itself. Please contact me if you need help choosing a personal Bible. You will be, we will be meeting via Zoom when? Mondays at 10 a.m. beginning January 18th. Please contact Bev to register for this class. Thank you. Thank you too, Bo. Let us pray. Oh dear gracious God, we give you thanks for this beautiful day that you have made. Help us to rejoice and be glad in it. Thank you for the beauty of the skies, of the warmth of the sun, even in the coldness of this winter day. Lord, warm our hearts by your presence. Help us to worship you in spirit and in truth. Be with us, Lord, as we face these challenging days, days where COVID-19 is wrecking 
so much harm. We lift those, Lord, who have been positive with it, who have been ill with it. We pray for those who are grieving because of loss of loved ones who have died with it. We lift up those who are without jobs or who are on the brink of losing work again because of the impact of this virus. We pray for those who are on the brink of losing their homes or indeed have lost them. Lord, there's so much need and it's just been compounded because of this virus. But help us, Lord, to remember that in the midst of these difficult times, you are still with us. You have promised never to leave us, never to forsake us. You have promised to provide for us. And you have encouraged us, indeed commanded us, to cast all our cares upon you, for you care for us. So, Lord, help us to cast our cares. Help us to receive your care for us. And help us to be your hands, your eyes, your mouth, your feet, to help others who need you as well. Thank you, Lord, for hearing our prayer. We pray that you be with our nation as we continue to transition in leadership. And once again, Lord, make this a country that's truly under one God, indivisible, with liberty and truth for all. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. We invite Bo to come back before us with our scripture reading for this morning. I am reading from the book of Jonah, chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, and chapters 10. And can you give me that city name again? No, the, the city name, Nevia, Neva, Nineveh. I knew that. I knew that. Nineveh. Conversations of Nineveh. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, saying, Get up and go to Nineveh, the great city, and proclaim to its message that I tell you. So Jonah set out and went to Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly large city, a three days walk across. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's walk. And he cried, cried out, Forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They proclaimed a fast, and everyone, great and small, put on sackcloth. Verse 10. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil ways, God changed his mind about the calamity that he had said he would bring upon them. And he did not do it. And that's the word of God for the people of God.
I hope that you know the joy that we heard in this music since Jesus came into my heart. I hope and pray that Jesus has come into yours. And if not, please take a moment and invite him to come in and be the Lord of your life and see what a difference he makes in your life. Would you pray with me now? Lord, thank you for coming into our lives. And we pray that you come into this service and into our hearts so that the words of my mouth and the meditation of your people's hearts will be acceptable in your sight. For you are our rock, you are our strength, you are our redeemer. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Those who know me well enough probably know that I very much enjoy fishing, especially salt water. That means like most fisher people, most anglers, I enjoy a good fish story. So I thought I'd share a fish story by way of introduction to our text this morning, which concerns the prophet Jonah. This fish story happens to be told by King Duncan. It seems there once was a fisherman. This fisherman and his wife were blessed with twin sons. They loved the children very much, but they couldn't think of what to name them. Finally, after several days, the fisherman said, let's not decide on names right now. If we wait a little while, the names will come to us. So after several weeks had passed, the fisherman and his wife noticed a peculiar fact. When alone, one of the boys would turn toward the sea, while the other boy would face inland. It didn't matter which way the parents positioned the children. The same child always faced the same direction. That's it, said the fisherman. Let's name the boys towards and away. Since one boy is always looking towards the sea and one boy is always looking away. His wife agreed. And from that point on, the boys were simply known as towards and away. The years passed and the lads grew tall and strong. The day came when the fisherman said to his twin sons, boys, it's time that you learned how to make a living from the sea. They provisioned their ship, said their goodbyes, and set sail for a three-month voyage. But something happened. Three whole years passed by. The fisherman's wife feared that all three of her men had been lost at sea. One day, however, the grieving woman saw a lone man walking towards her house. She recognized him. It was her husband. My goodness, I'm so glad to see you. But what has happened to my darling boys, she cried. The ragged fisherman began to tell his story. We were just barely one whole day out to sea when towards hooked into a great fish. Towards fought long and hard, but 
The fish was more than his equal. For a whole week they wrestled upon the waves without either of them letting up. Eventually the great fish started to win the battle and towards was pulled over the side of our ship. He was swallowed whole and we never saw either of them again. Oh dear, it must have been terrible, said his wife. What a huge fish that must have been. Yes, it was, says the fisherman. But you should have seen the one that got away. <laughs> In our text, God comes to the prophet Jonah and gave him a mission. Go to Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. Jonah was tasked with proclaiming God's judgment on this wicked city. The philosopher and theologian Soren Kierkegaard said, at each person's birth, there comes into being an eternal vocation for them, expressly for them. To be true to oneself in relation to this eternal vocation is the highest thing a person can practice. Jonah, as those familiar with the story know, did not want to fulfill his vocation. He did not want to go to Nineveh. Instead, he went to Tarshish, which was as far as he could go in the opposite direction. That's how much Jonah hated the Ninevites. He considered them to be enemies. What was that all about? Well, according to a Bible scholar in the Harper's Bible Commentary, Jonah was a man who is the embodiment of intolerance, bigotry, and lack of human sympathy. In other words, Jonah felt about the Ninevites like some people feel about old Muslims or illegal immigrants. Do you know anyone like that? Maybe there is some of Jonah in you or me. What do you mean, Pastor Edie? Wasn't Jonah a prophet, a man of faith, a good man? Yes, he was. He was also a human being. And like all human beings, Jonah was a mixed bag. Jonah did not like what God had directed him to do. So Jonah had a bright idea. Our text states Jonah decided he would escape the presence of the Lord. He would run away to a place where God was not. Somewhere he'd be safe and God wouldn't know what he had done or what he was up to. Sounds kind of foolish, doesn't it? Jonah thinking he could hide from God. Yet how often do we try to do a similar thing? Sometimes without even knowing why. Some people, present company accepted of course, but some people act in a certain way when they are in church 
or when among a group of Christians. Then when they are someplace else, like in the office or the workplace or on the golf course or at the local pub or even at home among people who know them best, they act quite differently. They say things, they listen to things, they do things as if God doesn't see them. As if their deeds or misdeeds are somehow hidden. Well, if that's what they think, they are very mistaken. Like the scriptures tell us in Psalm 139, verses 7 through 12. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and settle at the farthest limits of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light around me become night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as the day, for darkness is as light to you. These striking words of the psalmist are actually meant to comfort us, to reassure us. God is always with us. That is good news, isn't it? However, when seen in the light of Numbers chapter 32, verse 23, which tells us, be sure your sin will find you out. God's constant presence may sound more like a threat than a comfort. Like it or not, friends, we cannot escape from God and we cannot hide anything from God. There's a story that comes from the days of the great British sailing ships. The British warship Sparrow suspected another vessel, the Nancy, of carrying illegal contraband. And so the Sparrow stopped the Nancy off the coast of Haiti. An examination of the Nancy's papers and cargo yielded only circumstantial evidence of wrongdoing. Still, that was enough for the captain of the Sparrow to seize the ship and to tow it into Kingston, Jamaica. There the captain and crew were charged with transporting illegal cargo. Meanwhile, a British frigate, the Abergavenny, happened to be cruising in the same waters. The officer in charge of this ship noticed a school of sharks feeding on the carcass of a young bull. The officer ordered his ship to pull up alongside the dead animal. The sailors, the sailors succeeded in hooking one of the sharks. Hauling the shark aboard, they opened it up and discovered in its stomach a bundle of papers. Examination showed that these papers 
belonged to the seized ship, the Nancy. His cr so the captain set sail for Kingston. His boat arrived in port not long after the case of the Nancy came up for trial. Thomas Briggs, an American, the captain of the Nancy, his crew, and even the Nancy's lawyers were sure that the case against the Nancy would be thrown out of court for lack of evidence. Imagine their surprise when they suddenly confronted the condemning papers which they had thrown overboard, papers which had been recovered from the belly of a shark. Instead of being acquitted, they were convicted. Beloved, we don't have to board a ship to head for a distant port to flee God's voice. We do it with our minds and our hearts. At some times in our lives, we simply tune out God's voice. We ignore God's voice that calls us to do certain things, to say certain things, to see certain things to be a certain way. At times we remain silent when the Spirit prompts us to speak, or we speak when the Spirit is telling us to hold our tongue. There is no place where God is not. That did not keep Jonah from fleeing, just as we do. So what happened to Jonah? The ship Jonah had embarked encountered a terrifying storm. It was so terrifying that even these salty, seasoned pagan sailors began to pray to their gods and beg for mercy. They cast lots to see which one of them the gods was angry with. The lot fell on Jonah. What have you done that this evil has come upon us? Jonah knew full well what he had done. And to his credit, he was honest and confessed it. Well, what shall we do with you? They asked as the storm grew ever more fierce. Throw me overboard, the prophet told them, and the sea will calm down. They did, and the sea did. Jonah wound up taking an economy trip back to where he started out. For three days and three nights, he submarined in the belly of a great fish. It's a familiar story. Friends, are we to take this story of Jonah being swallowed by a big fish literally? Dwight L. Moody said, it was perfectly easy for a great fish to swallow Jonah whole. After all, Jonah is only one of the minor prophets. But on a more serious note, there is purportedly a story of a man named James Bartley, who on February 1891 was swallowed whole by a big fish. He was a British seaman on a whale hunting ship. 
called the Star of the East. Allegedly, Bartley fell overboard and was swallowed by a whale. Bartley lived until 1926 and was able to tell his story. According to reports, his skin was bleached white from the experience. The scriptures do not record that Jonah was bleached white by his ordeal. And whether we take this fish story as a parable or an allegory or a literal experience, it's a story to which Jesus referred. Addressing his skeptics, Jesus told them the only sign they would receive would be the sign of Jonah. Just as Jonah had emerged on the third day from the belly of the fish, Christ himself would be raised from the tomb on the third day. The story of Jonah points to this great gospel truth. In the belly of the whale, we can imagine Jonah prayed like he never prayed before. He had time to take some serious stock of his life, to do some soul searching. He must have prayed what some have called fish belly prayers. You know the type. They are prayers of lament, prayers like, Lord, please get me out of this mess I've made for myself. If you get me out of this, I promise I will never do it again. I will be your best servant ever. Or, God, if you let me recover from this heart attack, I promise I'll quit smoking, I'll start exercising, I'll increase my church pledge, and I'll even cut back on chocolate ever pray one of those kind of fish belly prayers. The point we come to in our text where Jonah gets upchucked onto the shore by the big fish and given another chance to get it right. The Lord came to Jonah, we heard read, a second time. The Lord told Jonah again to preach to Nineveh. This time, Jonah goes post-haste. Jonah gave the hard, shocking message, 40 days and Nineveh will be overthrown. Repent or be destroyed. Jonah spoke for God against the wickedness. And the Ninevites believed God Every one of them repented from the greatest to the least, even the animals. The king himself proclaimed a fast, directing everyone, including himself, to put on sackcloth and sit in a pile of ashes. All this was done in the hope that God would have mercy on them and turn away from God's anger so that they would not perish as they deserved. God heard. Thanks be to God, there are times when people are changed like that, when they are transformed. They turn from moving towards darkness and death, towards light and life, 
With them, we've been blessed to know the awesome grace of God in Jesus Christ, of forgiveness, of healing and wholeness. We know what it means to be sinners saved by grace. That is why we praise our redeeming Lord, saying amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. Did you know the man who wrote the words of that hymn in 1773 used to be a slaver? John Newton was a bigot, a racist, whose trade was in the human flesh of slaves. In 1748, a violent storm battered his vessel off the coast of, of, of Ireland so severely that Newton called out to God for mercy. That moment marked his coming to Jesus. Unlike the story is sometimes told, however, he did not give up being a slave master immediately after his conversion. Newton was human, a mixed bag. It was not until after he gave up his seafaring trade altogether that his heart was more fully transformed. He began to study theology, became an Anglican priest, and ultimately Newton worked to abolish slavery. He later wrote Amazing Grace, as an illustration for a sermon. In 1835, William Walker set the hymn to a familiar tune we know today. This hymn is beloved because it is about forgiveness and redemption that is possible for everyone, regardless of sins. It's a song of the hope that every soul can be delivered from despair through God's mercy. Like the book of Jonah, this hymn tells the story of a universal God whose universal love is available to everyone who believes. It's a reminder that Christ died for everybody, Jew and Gentile, red and blue, Russians and Chinese, the people of Nineveh, and the people of Israel. Is it any wonder it's estimated that this hymn, Amazing Grace, is performed 10 million times a year? God's amazing grace is sufficient. The people of Nineveh repented. The book of Jonah, on the other hand, closes with the prophet sitting outside the city of Nineveh, pounding and angry with God. He still hated the Ninevites. And he was sitting up there wanting to see them get wiped out by God. He was not happy that they'd seen the light, repented, and turned to God. In fact, we don't know if the scales ever fell off Jonah's eyes. The Bible just doesn't say but we can hope. We can hope that Jonah 
grew beyond his attitudes and prejudices, even his hatred, and came to realize God's grace was sufficient for the Ninevites and for him too. Jonah's heart could be transformed by God's grace, too. We can hope that, like Jonah, when we are confronted by the temptation to pray, destroy those sinful people, Lord, we instead pray, forgive them, though they know not what they do. Our hearts our hearts can be transformed too. God's grace is sufficient. Maybe a similar choice is before us right now. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, let us pray. Dear God, help us to understand we all belong to one great family, the human family. We thank you that Christ died for us, for the human family, for everyone's sins. Your grace is sufficient to transform our hearts and our lives. Help us receive it. Help us to love everyone as you love. In the name of the greatest love of all, we pray. Amen. I'll love if this life. 
so much, Bo. Let that be our prayer, our commitment to follow God as God leads us. And as we receive the benediction, wherever you are, go in peace, go following God's voice, and not fleeing, but staying where he says stay, go where he says go, be who he says you are. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.